message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Good morning. I was back there dozing. They always have to come and get me. Everybody doing good today? It's the big day, the big game. I learned a big lesson a few years ago. This is a true story. The person is here today. I had got lucky and predicted like eight Super Bowls in a row. And so I was in Vegas preaching one day, and the guy who's here today was in Las Vegas. And he knew, I was bragging, I predicted eight games in a row. And so after church, he came up and said, Pastor, who's going to win today? I believe it was the Philadelphia Eagles against the Patriots. And I said, the Philadelphia Eagles. He went out and made a bet on what I said. You want to know how much he bet? $150,000. And I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. I said, I will never predict a Super Bowl again. It was sheer luck, gang. I didn't have a connection with God. God doesn't. They thought I had a connection, I guess. He said his wife wouldn't talk to him for a year. I'm shocked they're still going to church here. <laughs> so today we will have a time at the altar praying for the Rams after the uh, sermon's over. Oh, come on. You 49er fans are just sore losers. Come on. My, my, daughter was, my, daughter, my daughter was at the game when the 49er fans crammed the stadium. She said it was hilarious, Dad. After they lost, they were walking out, and the Rams fans took advantage of it. They said, thank you for coming. Come back anytime you want. We would be glad to have you. Well, I know it might be reversed next year. And if the 49ers would happen to get Aaron Rodgers or something, game over. I hope they don't. I'm fasting that they don't do that. But uh, Father God, today anoint what I have to share. Help us through this time, guide and lead us, speak to us in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. We're going to continue our series on love. And by the way, thank you for joining us today, wherever you're at in America or even another country. We're glad you joined us. We count it an honor that you're with us today. Now, this is our third series on love. And uh, the Greek language distinguishes four different kinds of love. And I suggested to you that God created all four kinds. He created brotherly love. He created ooh-la-la love that we have for our spouses. He created agape love. He created storge love. He created all of them. And when they're used in the right way, in the way God designed them to be used, they're all four healthy attributes of a Christian. Now, I haven't done this in the past, but I'm going to do it again. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day, guys. It's a day set aside to love your spouse. Now, one of my favorite sermons of all time that I've done, I've done it twice, is a sermon called Why Not? Why not pray for someone in public? Why not go out on a limb for Christ? And, you know, 
I think this has to do with Valentine's Day. Tomorrow's a day set aside, designed for us to show our spouse how much we love them, how much they mean to us. Now, I'm giving you ample warning. I, don't, I haven't done that in the past. Guys, come on. I'm telling you. Uh, a week or two ago, I gave you 15 whatever suggestions on the internet how we might celebrate Valentine's Day. Let me give you a few more that I looked at this week. Number one is breakfast in bed. You guys can pull that off, okay? Number two, watch a romantic movie together. How cool would that be? Enjoy a concert together? Bakersfield, I don't know. Las Vegas, I know some of the most romantic times my wife and I have had is watching a concert especially the Beach Boys. They were there one night outdoors. We were raised on the Beach Boys. Debbie and I, for the night, was over holding hands, and we were swaying. So hermits, hermits, turtles, which means nothing to you younger generation. But. <laughs> now, they said on this webpage, visit a rage room. I didn't even know what a rage room was. Rage room. They're in L.A. They're everywhere. Uh, when you go in, you break stuff. It says they will give you uh, 10 to 12 glassware items to break. You can break chairs. You just break stuff called a rage room. How would that work on Valentine's Day? You go in, sweetheart, I love you so much. You know how much I love you? And start throwing stuff and breaking stuff. <laughs> Look at your figure. It's as good as the day we met. Start throwing. I, I don't know how that would work. But they suggested it. They suggested a couple's massage. I'd be careful with that one. Revisit your first date, go rent an old car, dress up in your old clothes, go to the same place you went on your first date. And they actually said, take a trip to France. What do they think we are? We don't have, I might go to Arvin. I was raised in Arvin a lot. I could make a trip to Arvin and we could relive my childhood. Uh, camping in the backyard, I don't think so. But what about Tomorrow. If your spouse woke up, say you gave him a bagel and coffee in bed or whatever, and said, I stayed up late last night making you a card, telling you how much I love you. I wouldn't be here today without you. Wouldn't that be cool? I'm giving you a warning, guys. I'm reminding you, you got an excuse to love on her tomorrow and vice versa. Now, today, I want to remind you of what God said VBF is to be about. I know you've all heard this story, so I won't, you know, bore you with it again, but I was told divinely when I was 20-some years of age that this church was to be founded on Isaiah 58. God spoke it to me miraculously. Most of you heard the story. I will not bore you with that story again, but he said, Isaiah 58, read it. Now, I'm going to read the first two verses, but the people were fasting. They were fasting so God would give them attention. Uh, it's kind of like a lot of young Christians today go, I haven't been serving God, I haven't been doing right, but now I'm serving Him. I've been to church six times in a row, and He's still not answering my prayers. It doesn't work that way. Fasting. We know fasting is popular today. Intermittent fasting is supposed to be good for your health, help you lose weight. Uh, maybe something like, you know, you don't eat after four or five o'clock in the evening and you eat breakfast the next morning. Breakfast, you know what that means? That means break the fast. Did you ever know that? Break the fast. Well, they're fasting and God's not listening to them. And so God anoints Isaiah a prophet. 
and says, here's what I want you to tell them. Look at verse 1 and 2. Cry loudly. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a shofar and declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways as a nation that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of their God. They ask me for just decisions and they delight in the nearness of God. Now, he's going to get on to these people. He's going to tell them, you're being religious, okay, but I don't want religion. That's not what I want. Some of the churches today in Bakersfield, they're doing their thing. They'll stand up when the priest says stand up, and they'll repeat after him, and they'll kneel, and they'll get up and repeat, and they'll give a token, maybe an offering. They'll go forward and be anointed. They'll do all that, leave, and just live like they lived before they were saved. That doesn't do any good. God says in this chapter, I don't, I don't want more religion because they were doing the religious thing. He says, you're being religious on Sunday. You're being religious at, in, in the holy times, but then you're going out and you're, you're, you're running your workers hard. You're not giving them the right amount of money, a salary. You're, you're not taking care of the homeless and the poor, and he really gets on to them. Now, our, our generation doesn't like to be told they're doing anything wrong. We, we, we've got a generation of people today who want to be adored and they want to be affirmed all the time. They want to be pumped up. They want to be encouraged all the time. I, I, I helped make this generation. I, was, I know, I, I send, man. I, I coached all kinds of little league and soccer and I'd make sure everybody got a trophy at the end of the year. No matter if we were in last place, everybody would get a trophy. I would... Set up at night. I remember many nights setting up, trying to think, what can I give this kid a trophy for? <sighs> I mean, I, I worked hard. I'd say, buddy, you know what? Ta-da, come on and get your trophy. You look the best in the uniform of anybody on the whole team. <laughs> yes, sir. He'd look at me, scratch his head. I'd go, yeah, that's true. Another one, I'd say, you know what? You didn't get to play a lot, but you were the best bench warmer I've ever seen in my life. Come on, I'm get your trophy, buddy. I would work hard, like I think, what do I do with him? Well, maybe I can just tell him, you got the best looking mom on the team, that's for sure. You know? <laughs> I, I don't know, I was just thinking hard. Uh, and I, I attributed to this generation wanting to be adored all the time, you know. We don't do anything wrong. Well, in the chapter here, they were doing something wrong. He said, you're missing it. God tells Isaiah to rebuke them. See, a lot of people think that coming to church, that, that's our worship. That's such a small part of your serving God. Really, you do serve God when you come to church, and I've said that before. Just the fact that you're showing people how important God is by coming here. And, and God, you serve God today. All of you are getting a high five from God right now because you came here today. All of you are. God says, hey, you modeled to everyone around you how important I am. And... So, but, but coming to church really is to repair us. A lot of churches have a big sign on the gate as you leave, and they say, now you're entering the field of ministry. And that might not be a bad idea for us. I think we used to have one. I'm not sure we do anymore. But he says, raise your voice like a trumpet, like a shofar. That, that, the shofar was used to get people's attention. And it said either one or two things is going to happen. We either gather together to hear some important message or we're going to war. Now, 
Let me ask you a question. I'm going to be really simple this morning. I'm not going to be long. Do you think that our generation of Christians really, really believe wholeheartedly in the Word of God? Now, I, I agree, sister. I mean, really, this generation of Christians who are gathered around Bakersfield this morning going to church, do you really, really believe that they believe that 100% of the things in that Bible can be counted on? I, don't, I, I think the sister said, we said, no, I, I don't think a lot of us do. I think a lot of us need to go to God and repent and say, God, I, I, I've sinned by not really believing your word. I mean, really think about it. Take, take it to the furthest level. If what Paul said is true, to die is gain, how would that change our life? To die is to your advantage. How would that change our life? If we really, 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 really believe that. If we really believe that when you give, you will get back more than you give. More blessed is, is the person that gives than the person who gives. If we really, really believe, we'd be looking for opportunities to give. If we really believe that. What if we really believe that if you ask anything according to his will, you're going to get it? You know what we would be doing? Spending a lot of our time trying to find out what his will is. I know when I've had cancer twice, I went to God and God, am I going to die or live? I want to know what your will is before I can start claiming. Am I going to die or live? You know. I want to know. What if we really, really, really believe that God caused all things to work together for good, that we wouldn't be so depressed about that person who walked out of our life, would say, hey, God said it. Some of you single people looking for a spouse, if you really, really believe God's word, you'd be throwing yourself into the kingdom life, or if you seek first God's kingdom, everything else will be added to you. I mean, really, what if? What if? Maybe we need to confess our sin at the altar today and say, God, help me to believe in your word more. Now, in Isaiah 58, we're given six promises. Six promises to everyone, or in fact, seven. I'm going to give you one more. Seven promises in Isaiah 58 that are given to everyone who fulfills the commandment there to help the down and outers. In verse 7 and 8, we have some of them identified. It says, if you'll give your, who are these down and outers? It says, if you'll give yourself to the hungry. Now, I'm going to explain more to you in a moment. To give ourselves to hungry might require more of a global outreach, possibly, than, than we think. I mean, we have some hungry, I'm sure, in this country, but we have so many social programs and stuff. It's not as bad in this country. America's pretty blessed. I want to show you what I mean. Look at Acts 1 and 8. But you'll receive power, dynamite power dunamis power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll automatically be my witnesses. It doesn't say you have to go out and witness. It says you will be witnesses because when the Holy Spirit falls upon you, the dynamite power, you'll just be a witness without even trying. But, but look at it. It says in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Look at a diagram that I drew out last night and the guys made it better. We got to make sure stuff's taken care of at home first. Jerusalem, VBF. 
And I'll talk more about that. We have needs here. That's got to be your first priority. How do you do that? By giving tithes. Maybe offering, but tithes mainly. If we really believed in God, that if you give 10% of your income to God, he's going to make that 90 go into 110. I mean, that's what he says, and he does it. Say amen. Anybody say amen to that? And then after we take care of the needs here, we need to expand out to Judea and Samaria. That's the community. And that's also, we use some of our tithes for that and offerings too. But then the remotest parts of the earth, that's Africa right now for us. And that's offering. That comes above your tithes. You don't use your tithes for that. It goes above your tithes. I hope you understand that. I'll say more of that in just a few minutes. Now today, we've been given a tremendous blessing with our missions program here at VBF. And we'll hear more about that in the end today. So we have to help the hungry. Secondly, it says the homeless poor. Now that homeless poor, when you put the two phrases together, it means the sincerely poor. Not every person who stands on the side of the little sign are, are, are qualify under this. It's those who are sincerely poor, those who are trying. Not, not, the, not the alcoholics out there, it's not, not referring to them. And next it says the naked. And that suggests those that don't have anything. Now, may I suggest that these three words in Isaiah 58 are used to describe a much larger group of people. It also includes, I believe, if you read the whole Bible, orphans, widows, foster kids, single moms. We see this truth expanded and expounded on in other passages. Now, what it's saying here is we have an obligation to these people. An obligation. Story. A little first grade girl was invited over to spend the night with one of her classmates. She got there that night and they were having dinner. And the hostess mother came out to the little first grader and said, do you like broccoli? Because that's our vegetable tonight. She very politely said, I love broccoli. You love I love it. Okay, good. So she noticed that when they passed the broccoli around, the little girl didn't take any. She went back, says, Susie? I thought you said that you like broccoli. She said, oh, ma'am, I love broccoli. I just don't love it enough to eat it. (laughs) Hello. Hello. I love God with all of my heart. Oh, I love God. I just don't love him enough to give my money. I don't love him enough to serve. I don't love him enough, you know, to stand up and praise him during worship. I mean, I love him, but, you know, I don't love him that much. I believe with my whole heart that for us to keep growing in faith, God will rhythmically, from time to time, he'll call us to come out of our comfort zone. If you want to keep growing, he's going to call you to come out of your comfort zone, call you. And then he'll let you rest for a while and call you to come out of your comfort zone. Uh, Mighty man group. I don't want to go to that, but I know God's calling me to become part of the mighty men. Mighty women group. Man cave. Uh, serve. Give. He's calling me to start praying out loud. When I see somebody at Walmart, I'm supposed to pray with them. I know he's calling me to do that. God, come on. You know me. God, yeah, I know you're right. Listen to me. I believe with all of my heart as I look back on my life and the lives of others. We all tend to get into a comfort zone, me included. And from time to time, God will start calling me to come out of my comfort zone, do something. Then he'll give me rest for two or three years or months, or then he'll call me out of my comfort zone again. Does this relate to anybody here? I, uh, I go to the gym four days a week, and I, I have this routine that I go through. 
And I noticed the other day I do eight or nine sets of my arms twice a week, and, and I've been doing it for a long time. I never get sore. The other day, the machine I wanted to use was being used by someone else. I had to go to a different machine. I did something totally different, and I got sore as could be. We like our comfort zones. I admit it. How long has it been since God has called you to come out of your comfort zone? I mean, we used to pay it forward all the time, and I stopped doing it. Now, lately, I started paying it forward again. I started doing that again because I thought, God, I, I need to come out of my comfort zone. I'm getting too comfortable here. Uh, God might call you again to join a small group or, or, or whatever or start praying out loud with people when you see them. My supervisor that I had when I was in a denomination, four-square denomination, was such a, a role model to me. I noticed that he would never leave anybody that had any kind of need without praying for him right there on the spot. He'd pray for him right then. And that, 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 that just modeled godliness to me. Now, back to our first diagram. We have to take care of the church first. We have financial request forms that we have in the office. We give out all the time. I mean, we, we take care of people on Christmas, take care of them on Thanksgiving. We pay their utility bills, brown bags. If we don't have that ministry, I want it back again. There should be brown bags in the foyer you could take with you. So, so we have to supply this. You know, people die around here all the time, and we're doing funerals. We've got to have guys that, that can make their living from doing funerals, and we're doing funerals every other day. We have to, so you've got to take care of VBF, the, the home church first. Then secondly, the community. I, I played you a video last week of Encourage Help. We're leaving it up to you. Do you know what we need? We need beds, tables, chairs, and appliances. Every week they send me, they sent me this week, four or five people they took beds to. They took refrigerators to. They took, uh, and these people are so excited. We're going out there loving our community. And we're saying that we're doing this because God loves you and we care about you. But you're going to have to donate that stuff, and please don't bring a broken down washer or dryer or a couch that has bed bugs on it. You just don't want to, you're too lazy to get rid of it, so you ask us to come. Please make it good stuff. And the community, a Crisis Pregnancy Center, Rescue Mission, Navigation, we, we ministered all these. And then last, African Missions, I want to say more about that in a moment. Can I tell you that real godly love requires Sacrifice. I don't know how you can love someone without sacrifice. If, if you guys get the hint today and do something special on Valentine's Day, it's going to take a little bit of a sacrifice. You might have to go get some cardboard somewhere and make a card tonight, set up all night, or not all night, but an hour or two, you know. Uh, it's going to cause sacrifice. If you go buy your wife something, it's going to cause you to get in your car, go to the mall. It, it, love is sacrificial. Bob Pierce, founder of World Vision, before he died, he was diagnosed with advanced leukemia. And he wanted to go visit uh, one of his colleagues in Indonesia. And so the story goes that he went there, and they were out one day going through the villages, and they came across a young girl laying on a bamboo mat by the river. And Bob said, what's up with her? They said, she has cancer. She doesn't have many, many days to live. And he became livid. He said, well, why isn't she at the clinic? Why, why do we have her out here? Do something for her. He said, no, you don't understand. She's from the jungle. She knows she's going to die. And she wants to spend her remaining days by the river where things look familiar and she's got the cool breeze. That's what she wants to do. Bob said when he was telling the story that my heart was so moved with compassion, I went over and fell to my knees and grabbed her hand and just started stroking it. And then I was led to pray for her. I didn't know her language. But I prayed for her. And when I get, went to get up, she said, 
something in her own language, and I asked him, well, what did she just say? She said, if you'd only pray that I could not have any pain so I could sleep. I just don't want any more pain. She wanted him to pray. And Bob began to weep, reached down in his pocket and pulled out a bottle of pain pills he was given for his advanced stages of leukemia. And he looked at the guy with him and said, you make sure that young girl gets a good night's sleep until the day she dies or until these run out. And he left knowing that it would be at least a week or more before he could get that prescription fulfilled. Could he do any different? Could you do any different? I couldn't do any different. I'd have to do the same thing. I mean, to me, that's what we've been talking about. That's a sincere love that comes out of the heart. That's not a fake love that comes out of the head. That comes out of the heart. He was moved, and, and like I shared a story a couple of weeks ago, what else could he do? I mean, he had to do that. Isaiah 58 goes on, tells us the seven blessings will overtake us if we focus on the hurting humanity. Because I'm out of time, let me just briefly mention these. First, it says, here's a promise. If you will help hurting humanity, your light will break out like the dawn. You know what that means? See, have you ever been in a dark place and you're trying to figure out what that thing is across the room or you're trying to figure out, you're out camping thinking, what is that thing by the tree? You can't make out, you know, is somebody come to kill me? It's a, you know, our minds play, play a game with us. But when it's dark, you're trying to figure out what is that over there, what is that over there, I can't figure that out. But as the light begins to dawn, you see it clearly. And that's just a tree, tree stump. I thought for sure it was a deer laying there waiting for me to shoot it in the morning, you know. It's a tree stump. And things become clear. The promise here to you and I is that if you will give yourself to hurting humanity and love them from the heart, that no matter what you go through, you'll see it clearly. In other words... You're going through something, you go, man, I've, 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 I've been at the altar praying, and I just know that God said, this is something I need to endure until the season is over. I know that. Or I, I, something bad comes into my life, and I, God visits me at the altar, and I go, I know i got to pray through this. God said to pray every day, pray every day, pray. don't stop praying until it happens, and it's going to happen. But I've just got to keep praying. That, that's, I see it clearly. And there's a supernatural rest that comes in that. Oh, oh, they're going to come to God. God's already told me. It's just I got to pray every day, pray every day, pray every day, and just rest, and it's going to happen. Uh, that, that sort of situation, I believe God showed me. I just got to curse it like he cursed the fig tree spiritually every day, and when I do it long enough, at the right time, it'll die. It'll die. I, I see clearly. I know what I have to do. I need to stay put until God moves. You'll be in the spiritual know. That's what it says. Secondly, it says your recovery will speedily spring forth. Look at the Hebrew word for for recovery, restoring to soundness, wholeness, health, healing of a wound, restoration, repair. Said it'll come speedily. Selah, stop and think about it. Who's he giving this promise to? Stop and think for a second. Who's he giving this promise to? Any, anybody that says they're Christian out there? No. He's saying those who give their lives to help others, that's who that promise is to. Look at this passage in Psalms. How blessed is who? He who considers the helpless. And that's an ongoing thing. The Lord will deliver him in a day of trouble. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive. He shall be called blessed upon the earth and do not give him over the desire of his enemies. The Lord will sustain him upon his sickbed and his illness. You restore him to health. 
See, I can be the general of a big army, and I can love all those soldiers as, as their general. But if I had a special mission and 12 of them said, we're going to do that special mission, my focus would be on them. I'd say, you know what? I'm going to make sure he's taken care of because you're on a mission for me. See, the Bible says, and as I get older, I read the Bible, and everything looks fresh and new. He said to the disciples, you know what he said? Because they were on a mission for him. He said, even if you drink any deadly thing, it will not harm you because you're on a mission for me. You're on a mission for me. Oh, what does Luke 6.38 say? Give, you give, you give, and you'll get back bountiful measures. If you give, if you give. See, we always want the vertical to be right, but the vertical doesn't go without the horizontal. If you're giving to others and then you ask God to give to you, he's going to give to you. It's across. The vertical depends on the horizontal. Let's say the horizontal has a lot to do with the vertical. Now it says your recovery will speedily spring forth. Number three, I'm just going to read these and I'm going to bring two guys out. Real quick, three, your righteousness will go before you. You'll have a reputation, man. A spirit of the divine God lives in Steve. A spirit of the divine God lives in, in Lauren. A spirit of the divine God lives in Carrie. A spirit of the divine God lives, lives in Sally. It says your righteousness will go before you. Why? Because God's hand will be so much on your life because of what you're doing for his kingdom. Fourthly, the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. I, I received some very bad news today about a man I respect so much. And they're going back and digging up sin in his life from 40-some years ago. And you know what I said? I don't give a hoot. This man has been an instrument of God the last four decades. I don't care what he did 40 years ago. That is a man of God. The glory of the Lord is his rear guard. That man has given so much. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You're not going to put that garbage in my ears. See, these aren't garbage cans that you can dump garbage in. Number five, you'll call on the Lord and he will answer. Number six, you're not groom, gloom. Your groom, yeah, if you're getting married, that's a good one for you, but it's gloom. Your gloom will become like midday. What does that mean? Your depression will dissipate. We're being plagued with depression today. A lot of people don't know that a lot of depression can be healed by simply serving. We have an answer to depression. I would say, Lord, forgive me. I, I have no, no background for what I'm going to say, but I'll bet you the majority of depression can be healed by serving God with your whole heart. And number seven, the Lord will continue to guide. Continually. Conti- Say with me, continually. He'll be guiding you because you mean a lot to his program. I went to God when I've had these two cancers and said, God, look, this is your body. It's got cancer in it. And if you want to use it any length of time, you're going to have to heal it because I'm willing to do it, but I've got to have a good body to do it in. Isn't that a great place to be? Let me show you another diagram while they're bringing Peter and John out. Peter and John, that sounds pretty <laughs> biblical, doesn't it? And they're both medical doctors, Dr. Dickey and Dr. Nalo. So while they're coming out, let me show you something else. Look at this. Look at the diagram on the board. Here, this is our goal of VBF. We have all the seekers who come on Sunday. They might come six times a year. Our goal is to get the seekers into the faithful. 
The faithful are the ones that are come and they give, and sometimes they tithe, and then the faithful into the core, and the core is people who serve, they give, they do it all. And our goal is to get the seekers into the faithful, the faithful into the core. Now, Dr. Nalos and Dr. Dickey, we want to talk to these people in light of what I just preached this morning. That you guys, there's no excuse for you not being one of those people who gets the seven promises. You can do it so easily. And we're going to talk about the outer parts of the world now, the uttermost parts of the world, Africa. Now, I want to say this, then I'm going to ask Peter something. This is an old story. You already heard it. I think I told just a few weeks ago. Remember again that for probably four years, I was being told that this church was supposed to start a ministry in Africa. And I didn't know how to do it. I hadn't met Peter yet. I hadn't met John yet. And so you remember the story, but for the 20% of you that didn't hear it, one day I told my wife, I said, I know we're supposed to start a ministry in Africa. And God, God spoke to me, Debbie. I really think he spoke to me. I'm going to go to the fashion show mall. I was in Las Vegas, and there's going to be a big book in the window that says Africa. I, I know it. I, that's going to be my confirmation. It's going to be there. I know it is. So Debbie, come on, hurry, get dressed. Let's go to, let's go to the fashion show mall. We went, and I, I remember I went right in the, the door. We parked, and here's the bookstore, and I started looking Africa. Africa. And I looked, huh? I just knew it was going to be here. I knew God said he was going to meet me here. I, and nothing. So I said, man, I thought for sure. Debbie, you really heard God? I thought I did. I said, go shopping. While I'm here, I'm going to look at some stuff in the bookstore. And no joke. I mean, I, Lord, forgive me. Don't forgive me because I'm not doing anything wrong. But let the people know I'm not embellishing the story. It's just the way it happened. So I go to a section about local events, and I was looking stuff about Vegas, the history of Vegas and everything, and I looked and looked, and no joke, I went to leave, and I don't know what happened, but a book fell off the top shelf, hit me in the head, fell on the floor, and it said, Africa. <laughs> I, this is why I love serving God. He's got to have a sense of humor. He has to have. I mean, an angel actually had to push that book off the shelf. He had to. So then I meet Peter. Peter, pick it up from there. Well, you know... Uh Good morning, by the way. Thank you for having us. And, uh, you know, this whole thing started with me in Africa. My daughter and I started to, to go hunting. And so we'd taken a number of safaris, and Olivia said, hey, let's go to Ethiopia. So we went to Ethiopia, and we flew on an airplane and ended up in the tribal areas of Ethiopia, way on the border of South Sudan. And we spent three weeks there. But how it started, this is 2005, is when I got back to the, to the main hotel, I purchased something that's called, the, which was, looks like a cross and a key of Ethiopia. And it's a beautiful, a beautiful uh, like, it's like a Harrison Ford key to some kind of a treasure. And so I purchased this and brought it, brought it back home and never thought about it for six years. Then Ron said, bringing it up to speed, you know, I want to do something in Africa, and we had a minister from International Christian Ministries come to my home with Tom Touchtone, and he challenged, he says, I challenged Valley Bible Fellowship to do missionary work in the nation of Ethiopia. And as soon as he had that out, I, I ran out of the room. I didn't say anything, excuse me, gentlemen. I ran out of the room, I ran upstairs, and I came back and said, I have the key to Ethiopia. Now, now go on. We we went. We started going over there. Went on a trip, and we were following somebody else's curriculum. And I won't name the church because it's a great church. 
But the curriculum said, talk to them about how to build a crowd, how to build parking lots, how to dress for success or something, I don't know. I looked at Peter one day, I said, Peter, we're not supposed to be teaching this. We're supposed to be teaching spiritual warfare. We're supposed to be da-da-da. So we started going. Now, now take us from there. We're going over. Well, we, we did the... We continued the curriculum for four total sessions, but I went out into the rural areas with the, uh, with the churches for projects, and we went to the churches in the north, and, and we did a lot of humanitarian things, and we went to Muslim communities and met Muslim leaders, and that started an entire ministry. Do you want to do the video? Yeah, I think we, we can do the video. The, yeah, let's, let's show, show the, the video. video, and we'll give you kind of an kind of overview. <laughs> Now I know 
that we do all this for God, but every time I see this, there has to be someday a picture of Dr. Na- a statue of Dr. Nadal somewhere in Ethiopia. But Peter, we've always said that signs and wonders follow people who are doing God's will. You've got to tell the drought story one more time for them. Well, when I first went uh, to the rural areas, I was dressed in a suit and tie because I preached at a small Christian church, and then they brought me to meet all of the Muslim leaders and hundreds of children. And actually, I was quite afraid. I wasn't sure I was actually going to survive the day because none of the pastors in the, in the meeting that we'd gone to, the courses, would even go to Halaba. And so that's when I, Pasquale was my partner then, and I said, Pasquale, we got to go ourselves. Um, and so we went there and met the, the imams. All the leaders were there, four leaders of the Muslim leaders. I think there's a photo of them, actually. There's five slides. And uh, the first leader said... We want you, that's correct, yeah. We want you to bring electricity to our village, to our big village, thousands of people live there. And I'm looking, there's a gigantic telephone pole going to some dam. There's no way I can bring electricity. The second guy said, please um, bring water, dig, dig a well for us. And we had to survey the area. It's 300 meters of rock. There's no way to get a well in there without a million dollar machine. The third gentleman said, um, Will you build schools for our children? They're under the tree. And I said, yes, we'll do that. And the fourth uh, imam on the left said, we've had a six-month uh, drought. The animals are dying and the land is cracking. And I'm looking at him and I go, okay. I said, well, I'll, I'll pray for that. And then the meeting was over and I just walked around and I, now I want to tell you that I fasted all night and prayed on my knees all night, but that would be lying. Because what I did, <laughs> I walked out and I said, okay, God, you heard his prayer. I went to dinner, and then I promptly went to this hotel room on the fourth floor under a sheet metal roof. And at 10 o'clock, God woke me up with a torrential rain for six straight hours till four in the morning. It poured rain, and I got no sleep. <laughs> and, you know, I wondered, why did you do that? And I think there were three reasons at least. One reason was to show the Muslims that this man is from God. The other reason was to say, Peter, I know you don't think so, but I'm sending you as my ambassador from Valley Bible to, to Ethiopia, and I've called you to do this work. And the third is to my, the people in the organization I was working with is, this guy may be nuts, but we better do what he says. And that was really important because they didn't want to do the ministry, some of it, and they did because they, they saw the rain. John, now you came on board recently, and uh, this is, by the way, this is the blessed Nikki Dickey's husband. Uh, uh, very honored man. So tell us about your involvement in Africa and how that came about. Well, I think about a year ago it was, we were looking at trying to expand uh, uh, VBF's awareness of uh, African missions. And that's something that I've been wanting to be a part of in my life. My family, my mom and dad were missionaries for a long time. Uh, I I grew up listening to their missionary God stories, miracle after miracle after miracle. Like, they have hundreds of them. And I, that was something that just influenced my life. I, as uh, growing up, I went to multiple missionary trips, short-term missionary trips to all over Japan, Taiwan, the Philippines. Um, my family went all over Russia, Costa Rica, Panama, Ecuador. We went everywhere doing missionary work. That was just part of our who we are. 
And with that, you know, and it really brought back, my dad always said, look, just like you said today with the, you know, God said the Great Commission was, hey, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost end of the earth. You know, your first influence always should be where you're at, everywhere you're at. Um, it's that Jerusalem, it's Judea, it's your neighbors, it's Samaria. But then God also, the natural progression is go out. And the church did that, and that's part of a healthy church. And I, I wanted to be a part of that. So about a year ago, I, I hooked up with Peter, and we've been working on different missions ever since. So, Peter, give us some of the highlights. We have uh, slides if you need to pull them up, but just three or four more highlights. First of all, you might tell the people, how many works do we have in Ethiopia and Uganda? Well, we have built across the nation of Ethiopia, which is the second largest nation in Africa, probably 800 miles across, and we've built about 45 schools across that entire area. Now, I do want to acknowledge my lovely wife, Karen, who has been on 12 road trips. <laughs> and she's had uh, rooms full of locusts, she has traveled 15,000 miles, not kilometers, in Ethiopia on all these mission trips, as well as led teams to South Africa as well. So, You need yeah. to give her a very special Valentine's Day tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm going <laughs> to so. so So give us some, is there any more highlight? I mean, we've got that many. How many orphanages do we have? Well, we, we built, we had, uh, additionally, we, uh, we have an orphanage in Uganda. And Uganda actually started about three or four years ago where we started to build a school for this, uh, for a gentleman named Edward and he had a downtown inner city ministry. And what happened is we found out that these orphans and very poor children in the downtown school, it was a big school, had to leave because the railroad was coming in and they, they owned the land. And so it was kind of an urgent process, so we built two big dormitories for 70 kids each and built a big school complex. You can see the, bu the buildings are beautiful. And, the, uh, and those, those children now are part of that uh, whole complex. So we have like 500 kids in that school in Uganda. And we also have, um, we have a school actually, we have five schools in Zambia with another 600 children there. So all in all, VBF is probably supporting 4,500 children in school in Africa. That is so cool. John, what, what, what are some of the projects we have planned for this coming year in missions? So we have some great projects. And we, first of all, I just want to commend you, everyone here, everyone involved. All this work, you know, we all can't be on the mission field. We have to do our work. We have to provide for our family. But all the support you've given uh, to VBF here has gone to these 4,000 kids. That is just amazing. amazing. And let God just, you know what, you give each other a clap around right now. man. This is yeah. beautiful work. You are doing great work. Our goal for this year, we have a couple big goals we want to do. So one of, we have three, um, sorry, five schools in Ethiopia that we want, urgently need to open and to provide food. Right now, Ethiopia is going through a famine. They have a civil war up north as well, which is probably causing a lot of the, uh, the famine. And we are looking to partner actually with the government to open these schools to provide food for the children. So we want to provide $10,000 we're going to try to raise over the next four or five months to be able to do that. The other thing is in Uganda, we have the, uh, the school and we have orphans there as well. 
and they are in desperate need of another facility as well as uh, food for the, the children and taking care of them as well as the, uh, they have a, because they have these orphans there's new, they need vehicles to be able to actually take them around. Um, so this, we're going to help support that. Our goal should be, it's, it seems like a, you know, a lot of money, 10000 there and 10000 there, but all, we, you know, you boil it down. I was talking to Ron and Peter here. It really comes down to if you tithe, which absolutely important, you tithe first. But when you give above that tithe, $5, if everyone commits to a $5 campaign of giving above beyond that, that, if we do that for two or three months, if not four months, we would have the money that we need to do this. So I guess the commitment I'm asking you, you all is to give $5 extra a month above your tithe. And you have to make sure if you do it online, you put $5 or you, in the, if you give the money or check, you put African missions so that it goes there. And uh, that is what our goal. It's not a, a crazy goal. It's something we all can achieve and actually do amazing, more amazing things than we're already doing. John, I talked to you backstage. Here's what I want to do. If I can get somebody to build me, here's what I want to do. I want to build two boxes up here on the altar, okay? And I don't want you to get off the hook easy. I don't want you to just tell your wife, hey, babe, add $5 to our tithes. No, 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 no. Pay your tithes. And then I want you to make out a separate check or a separate uh, on the internet, a, se a whole separate $5. That's what I want you to do. And I'm going to make a place available if you're on Sunday mornings during worship to come up, actually get out of your seat, or after service is over, before it starts, and put your $5 in one of the boxes up here on Sunday. And that $5, if a thousand of us will do that, that's $5,000 a month. You'll have your $10,000 in two months. Can we do that? Okay? So your tithes is a whole different thing. You route your tithes, then you separately give five. I want that $5 to be intentional, and I want it to be separate. I don't want it to be added on. I want you to think about that $5 and what it's going to do. So we'll plan on doing that. And then, John, also, I've really wanted to, and we haven't been able to do it yet. Well, we started some time ago. But I'd love for people to be able to adopt a kid, too. I told uh, Dr. Nalos and Dr. Dickey that wouldn't it be neat? We, we can't remember all their birthdays. But what about once a year in each, each orphanage, we have a big birthday bash for everybody. And we're able to write cards to them and uh, give money so they can all have gifts. I mean, there's so much we can do. Now go back to Isaiah 58. We're giving you a blessed opportunity to be involved. Your $5 will mean a lot to God and your prayers. So down the line, John and, and Peter, Peter's the, the, the guy overseeing everything, and, and John's kind of overseeing our local uh, aspect of this. Uh, we're going to present more things to you. Hopefully one day you can adopt kids. We'll do a picture thing again. We're, we're working on all this stuff. But I thought this tied in so well with the message today. My title of my message is Love Reaches Out. It reaches out. It's, I read uh, something this week, and I won't tell you the movie actress's name or the Hollywood star, I should call her, not actress. But she had written something, and I, I took pictures of it on my phone. And she said, you know, I thought it was about time to start thinking about me. I've got to make me happy. I have a right to be happy. And she wrote a couple paragraphs that, that bless her heart, she doesn't know any better, but they're so anti to what we're about. I want to make me happy. I have a right to be happy. My world should be about me. No, it's just the opposite in the kingdom of God. We ought to think of others as highly as we think of ourselves. We've got to pray for these children. Any last thing you guys want to add to this? 
Well, I would like to add the fact that we are really fighting a spiritual warfare and a battle against Satan. These tribes, uh, the Hamar tribe where we're working, I mean, they have satanic practices. They have child sacrifice. They, they whip themselves and put blood on things. They take drugs. and um, This incredible, they, children that are born imperfect are throw, put in the riverbed to die. And we're fighting a, a real battle. And we are, you know, we're fighting, as the song Allie sings, so we're fighting for the furthest heart. When there's no child too far. You know, we're stopping for the one. And this church, I mean, you have a, you have a really an incredible opportunity. I mean, just backstage, after I talked with you, I got 15 pictures of three villages where we're giving food and flour and trucks are showing up. And this is not something we did last year. This is something three days ago and they just got the video right now. So, I mean, wow. you can influence, this church can influence really remote tribes that are on far, far away. You can't get any farther than this. And you can influence it, and you can influence it in a matter of days, and we are actually, we're doing that right now. So it's really unique. John, how hard would it be for us to get 300 names of orphans, first names, and we could at least start there saying, that's my orphan to pray for every single day? Because what Peter said, let's shield our one orphan that we have from that, and let's pray authority over them. And how hard would that be? So we already started working on that. Okay. We, so we have, so to give you a couple things to think about, we have a website that we're going to be developing that's going to be linked to uh, VBF Missions um, and VBF. So we, on that website, it's going to have some more information. We do have some flyers that are on the back of the hub that have some information about just, just about what we're doing, some pictures you can see. And, and if anything, this should be, a, you put it on your refrigerator and you start praying because what we really need is a lot of prayer. This needs to be on top of mind, in your prayer list, praying for this. There's a spiritual battle. We need you there. The kids, we definitely are developing that, and that's something that uh, I think on the website when we have ability to reach out and give uh, uh, prayer cards for these kids, sponsoring the kids through prayer and really writing and doing those things. That's, that's the vision we want to get to. So we look, look forward to that coming up this year. And, John, not only pray for the kids, but you know how badly the devil would like to take this guy out? <laughs> Him and Karen both. I mean, I'm serious. The devil would like to get rid of them. He doesn't like what they're doing. So hold him up. Hold John up in prayer. Pray for wisdom that John will know how to lead our congregation in this and that Peter will have the health to continue. Uh, I will say one last thing. I remember one day God told me to start praying for you on a Sunday afternoon. Little did I know you were over there dying somewhere on the mission field. And God told me, Debbie and I were driving up to Tehachapi, and I remember God says, start praying for Peter and pray for him right now. And you were dying or something. What? I, yeah, I was, in, I was laying on top of the concrete slab uh, in, a, in a little room in the Central African Republic, way, way far from any medical care, but I was just very, very ill. And within, I said, actually, I, was, I prayed, Lord, make somebody a Valley Bible pray for me. And then I said, Lord, make somebody, and he stopped it right there. He said, I just did it. He and that's what Debbie it. yelled out of the car. Unbelievable, guys. Signs and wonders. Let me pray you out. Father God, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you, Lord God, for the challenge you're giving us to step out of our comfort zone. And Lord, we want to do more for our community and for our church and our world than we've ever done before. So guide and lead us. Thank you for this wonderful day. And God, I don't want to be sacrilegious. Help the Rams win. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> 
for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our king.